25 or so years ago, and I, I noticed that I am getting older because my stories are like longer ago. <sighs> Excuse me, okay. All right, we're good. Okay. We were uh, on one of our uh, many mission trips uh, to uh, Mississippi. I have a friend down there, Reverend Jasper Bacon, and uh, uh, we have had the privilege of going there many, many times. Uh, to serve alongside him in his ministry, in the community in which he serves, and uh, a tremendous blessing. And while we were there on one of these many trips, uh, we befriended uh, a young man uh, that attended the uh, church there that, that uh, Reverend Bacon was the, the, the pastor of at that time, and uh, his wife and their three little kids, and just had a wonderful time getting to know them. And it came time for us to head back home. And the the reality of uh, this gentleman's situation was he he is unemployed in that particular area. During the best of times, their unemployment rate runs anywhere from fifteen to twenty percent. And he was uh, struggling to find a place to work. And one of the volunteers that came with us, uh, he, he, he owned some businesses in the Indianapolis area and some rental properties, so forth, and, and invited him. He said, hey, I'll give you a job. And, you know, I don't have one of my uh, properties available just yet, but, we'll, but there's, they'll be coming available. Would you want to come back to Indianapolis and work for me? And eventually we'll get you a, a home. And, and uh, he and his wife talked and they were like, yes, we're going, let's go. And he was ready to pack that day. And, uh, we, you know, and, and there was this challenge, though, because there were these weeks and a couple of months in between them coming and them having a place. It's one of those moments where uh, Mandy and I kind of looked at each other and we knew exactly what the other one was thinking. And we said, uh, yep, this is something we got to do. And so we approached them and said, hey, I tell you what, we don't really have, you know, a big house or whatever, and, you know, but come join the six of us for a season. <laughs> Pile in! Hey, what's 11, you know? And uh, so, sure enough, we just brought this little family uh, into our house, and 11 of us, and and I thought, now, how are we going to feed everybody? How is this going to work? You know, you get all those, those questions. And silly, really, because when the Lord says to do something, he's always going to provide the resources needed to do it. So over those course, two, three months, uh, we all had plenty of food to eat. We all had at least a little corner of a room somewhere to sleep. And all of us... We're better for the experience. Obedience, uh, it, it comes with sacrifice. And there is no way to separate the two. We try to do that. Uh, we, we try to create a world in which we believe that God would never ask us to sacrifice while the possibility of a relationship is founded on sacrifice itself when he sent Jesus to die. And we find in our story today 
uh, the, clearly the hardest obedience of the five stories we're going to be looking at in this series. I thought maybe this should have been, you know, the last one, you know, the big crescendo at the end of the series. And it's like, no, God established and had this, this in, in, encounter with this particular individual here at the beginning of the book for a reason to help us understand the rest. And what this individual was asked to do, uh, uh, you know, Noah, right? Hey, build this boat. I'd be like, oh, give me that one. I don't want this, guys. <laughs> give me the boat thing. <laughs> I'll do that. Not this. Oh, God, please. Never this. To say that this was a hard obedience is to insult the reality of the situation and the circumstance. It's immeasurably difficult to even get our heads around, and I don't think we really can. The story speaks for itself, so let's just begin to read. Genesis chapter 22, I'll read the first 18 verses, and then we have the New Testament commentary in Hebrews chapter 11, 17 through 19, and we'll read that too. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. Go to the land of Moriah, go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early, he saddled his donkey, took two of his servants with him, along with his son, Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders, while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and he said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where's the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it, and then he tied his son Isaac, and he laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. And Abraham looked up and he saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. 
So he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yahweh, Jehovah Jireh, some translations, which means the Lord will provide. And to this day, people will use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies, and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. All because you have obeyed me. We don't know what was going through Abraham's mind in that first conversation. We could kind of see in the, in the text the response that God was having with him, probably just in his own thoughts, take your son, and Abraham immediately, well, Ishmael and Isaac, your only son, indicating the son of the promise, Isaac? Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. Those of us who are parents today, we consider such a request of God and our hearts um, uh, uh, can hardly and I don't think can really process that reality of taking one's child and sacrificing them to God. Now in verse 2, there was, there was some things that God knew that Abraham didn't know. There was some things there at verse 2 Abraham didn't know that we know because we've read the whole story, and that's this, that God wasn't going to allow him to harm his son in any way, shape, or form. Later on in the Mosaic Law, it would be written, you do not offer your children up as sacrifices. But at verse 2, Abraham knew none of that. And yet we don't record any questions any clarifications, any whatabouts, any God, are you sure? We just see a man the very next morning get up and get everything together and take his son. We find something out about hard obedience as we unpack this story. Beyond hard obedience would probably be more appropriate. Is that it is obedience to God no matter the cost. Uh, this this um, saying to God, I'll, I'll obey you if, I'll obey you so far, I'll obey maybe, let me hear the whole story first. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll follow you Jesus this far. 
But if you ask me to take one more step, I won't take it. God, you, you, you're asking this of me, but in order to, to, to sacrifice, to give this up to you, that, that means that that can't happen. And I, and I get torn between the this and the that's of life because you see, conditional obedience is not obedience at all. We're, we're, we're engaging in something less than a full-hearted, honest relationship with Jesus. Lord, you're Lord, if I like what you have to say, you're Lord, if you don't ask for that. You ask for that, no. Abraham, he didn't think in those terms. He didn't think in those terms. He had one perspective and one perspective only. Did God tell me to do something or did he not? And when the answer was yes, that's what he did. And this scene here is absolutely staggering and it challenges us as it challenged Abraham and it revealed his heart as hard obedience will reveal our hearts. Who or what do we love more than we love our Savior? Who or what do we love more than the one who, who took our death penalty on the cross so that we would have eternity in heaven with God? So that death would not be the end of our story is there anything or anyone that we say, sorry, God, not that. I won't go there. I won't do that. I won't have that conversation. I won't make that decision. It's just too much. This was what stood before Abraham, and honestly, this is what will stand before us if it is not already right there in front of us. And the invitation to you and I is to realign our heart so that God is first, so that God is our greatest love. He has loved us without measure. And this is our opportunity in obedience to love Him without measure as well. It is the way that God has given us to tell him how thankful we are for what he has done for us. And Jesus said as much, John 14, 15. We'll be looking at a lot of things Jesus said in our study today. He said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Whether it's hard or not. What has our decision been these days? As God has called us into our steps of faith. We come to verse 4, looking back again at verse 2, we see something else very significant to observe. And that hard obedience leads to further and greater revelation. As 
God came to Abraham and he gave him the command, this is what you're going to do, you're going to sacrifice your son. I'm telling you, go to the land of Moriah, go to this place, go to this vicinity of this mountain and once you get there, I'll tell you and I'll show you specifically where you're supposed to go. And so we see this, this, this being modeled for us here in his story, and we see this over and over and over again, that, that God's purposes and God's plans are unrolled. I love this quote. I read this. God's purposes and plans are, are unrolled on the path of obedience. As I am heading and as I come to that general place, that general area where God has told me to go, there I receive further revelation. Again, we refer to the words of Jesus in John chapter 14, verse 21. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me how we tell the Lord we love him and because they love me my father will love them and I will love them and reveal myself to them is that not what we just saw in Abraham's story Abraham I'll tell you what here's the thing and it's hard but here's I want you to go over there and when you get over there, then I'm going to tell you the next thing. And Abraham obeys, and he comes over there, and then God says, right up there. That's where you're going. Many times in our lives, as God is bringing a conviction of the Spirit upon us, as he is opening our eyes to his word, and we say, hold on a minute, God. Do you really know what you're asking? Do you, do you know that that means this and this is going to, and this and that, and, 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 and just tell me where we're going here, God. I want, I want to have it all laid out. And he looks at it and says, no, I just, just need to get over there, and then I'm going to tell you some more. Who did Jesus say he would reveal more of himself to? The context is clear. Those who demonstrate their love to him through obedience. Hard obedience leads to further revelation. And so what God is inviting you and I to do is to go to the area of obedience we already know. There's a whole bunch of things God's already asked of us. He's already told us. He's already given the instructions. He says, go there. Get in that area. Get in that region. Obey this far, and then I'll reveal more. This is why so many of us, we have so much information. We have so many Bible verses, so many stories. We, we know so much, and yet we experience so little of a dynamic relationship with God because we have not yet settled the issue of obedience. It's I'll obey if. It's not, God, I need to get to where you're already asking me to go, and there, there, I experience more of you. 
that which our heart is longing for because we were created for him by him and for him and until we understand that life isn't going to make a lot of sense he desires for us to experience him in powerful ways and he says there's there's a wonderful blessing there's an incredible privilege he talks about that in John 15 9 through 11 he says I've loved you even as the father has loved me remain in my love when you obey my commandments you Remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and I remain in His love. I have told you these things so that, why are you telling us this, Jesus? So that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. That joy of the Lord that is to be our strength it overflows as we enter and we go to the places of obedience that God is calling us to. And as we take those steps of faith and we trust him, and he says, you know, obedience and sacrifice, you can't separate those. There's going to be hard obedience, and it's going to ask you to realign the, the, the order in your heart from me first. Me must, I must be first in order for you to get to my joy, for you to experience the life I created for you. The fullness of the wonder of a relationship with God is on the other side of obedience. We have a lot of head knowledge. There's a young man, he came to Jesus, he's a wealthy guy. He said, hey Jesus, what do I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, you know the commandments. He goes, oh yeah, I've been obeying all the commandments. Oh good, you're in the region of obedience. Now let me tell you this. Sell everything, give it all away to the poor and come follow me. Oh, he says. He turns away, and he walks away sad. Why? Because as Jesus revealed that his heart was not ordered correctly, his love, his first love was stuff and money. He couldn't give that up. He wouldn't give that up. Jesus, I don't love you that much. And as there was greater revelation, he turned and walked away. We contrast that with another gentleman, extremely wealthy, intersected Jesus, his name's Zacchaeus, and he comes and he meets Jesus in seeking him and finding him, and he stands up at dinner and he's just like gleeful. He says, Lord, I'm giving half of everything I own away. He's a rich dude too. He says, you know what? Everybody I cheated, I'm going to give them four times as much back. I'm going to be absolutely broke. And I'm excited about it because you have my heart and I have yours. That's all I want. Just you. Stuff. 
Perhaps our hearts need a little check here today. Mm. Verse 9 through 12, we see the culmination of the story. We see Abraham, it, it, it wasn't just for show. The man was fully prepared to, to kill his son. And the angel had to intervene and stop him. We find something else about heart obedience that's important for us to understand, and that is that it requires the faith to believe that God can do the impossible. Heart obedience requires you and I to believe that impossible is nothing with God. You see, Abraham was put in an impossible situation from a worldly point of view. Take God out of the equation, other than the command to kill his son. You have a young boy, old enough to carry sticks, not old enough yet to father children. He says, kill him. What God told Abraham to do to his son thwarted the promise that God said he was going to do through his son. You see? Abraham could not be the son of promise through whom all the descendants uh, would come for Abraham and through whom all the nations of the world would be blessed if he is dead. It can't happen. Unless God is a God of the impossible. We read again what the writer of Hebrews told us. Abram, Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. So what do you do? You have an heir who's supposed to be through whom the promise of God is to be realized and you kill him in Abraham's mind. Oh, well God will just raise him from the dead. What do you do? You raise the son. That's what you do. And he believed it. Believed it. God was the God of the impossible. Perhaps it's time for you and I to revisit the impossibilities in our lives today. That's not possible. It can't happen. This, that, whatever it is. No, God, you, you don't understand. God, you, you, if I do that, or you know, then this, and it's just you, you can't. It just can't happen. We're like the people of Israel standing there with Moses. There's a big old, big old body of water behind us, and the Egyptian army in front of us says, "We're dead." This is an impossible situation. And what does God say? Read it. It's great. He says, what are you talking to me for, Moses? Tell the people to get ready to start moving. Where are we going to go? <laughs> Where are we going? He says, hold your staff over that sea. And the waters part and the people cross. Why? Because God is a God of the impossible. And those who are living in this position of hard obedience, they have that faith to believe that God can do that. That the impossible, the breakthroughs, those things that he can do, he can do and only he can do. And if the relationship we have with God is that which 
we can see and all figure out and manage and I can see this and I can see that. And we're like, That's not what we were invited into. We were invited into something much bigger. A depth of experience where we, we walk on the mountains of the impossible. See, the deepest relationship with God, the fullness of joy and a life filled with the impossible requires hard obedience and sacrifice is at the heart of obedience. What sacrifice is God asking of you these days? What is it? And you've been looking at it you can feel like it's staring at you from behind you. You can kind of smell it. God, you're asking that of me. I just want to keep enough noise around so that I don't hear it or see it. What is it? Let me encourage you as we are, as I encourage myself and as we think about Abraham, he was willing no matter the cost to obey what God told him to do. No, no conditions on his obedience. We see that by taking the initial steps of obedience, God revealed the even more of himself. Are we taking those initial steps? Living within the parameters and the instruction of the word of God so we're positioned to hear the next. And he, about to, to move in obedience to this very hard command, did so with a heart that said, my God can raise my son. Filled with faith. What sacrifice, what step of obedient, obedience is, is sitting in front of us these days. Father, what a, an amazing reality here as we ponder this encounter. And as we'll see in just a minute, it speaks directly to our very present second. That we would have a real honest situation, conversation with you. Lay it all out. Our fears, all our insecurities, all these things that we set up is just so important. And have that honest moment. And an honest moment the next day, and the next day, and the next. Thank you that you loved us so much that you demonstrated that by sending Jesus die to sacrifice for us. It's in his name that I pray. Amen.